All right, all right. Don't sit down yet. Keep standing. Turn to the person next to you and say, I heard you singing and clapping. You have no rhythm and you can't sing, but you have a good heart. Tell them that. Come on. You got a good heart. And a high five somebody and then tell them to sit down and shut up. That drummer, Brock, is that your name, Brock? You're the happiest dude in the world, man. Come on, bro. Give me some of that. Who wants joy like that? This church, the hand of God is with this church. The Bible says that the early church, the hand of God was with them and many came to believe. That's what's happening now. I live in Arkansas. This is too far to commute. But if it's a little bit closer, I think I would come in. And when you guys get to heaven, your worship team, what? You're going to want to come back here on Sundays. And, uh, but God is good. All the campuses, I know that you guys love the word. Uh, this church honors the word. It's sacred to them. Uh, they love discipleship and learning the word that way. Uh, really, you cannot grow just in, in meetings that are large. You have to be involved in a small group dynamic where Bibles are open and people are learning. Can I have an amen on that? And, uh, but here's the thing. Every now and then, People will say something to me that makes sense, and on the cuff, it actually even seems like a, a smart thing to say. Uh, people say, you know, Rick, I, I really want God to do something big in my life, something special in my life. And, uh, man, I love that. I've said this many times. Uh, but I, I want to point out something in that uh, that is important to know right before Easter, and that is it's your move. Like, he's already made a lot of big moves, right? And um, I'm married uh, for 34 years. I have four kids. They're all married. I got grandkids. I can't keep up. I don't remember their names, but I got five. <laughs> I think there's a picture. Yeah, and that's some of them. And that picture's seven months old, so it's missing a few, or, you know, that we've added. But here, here's what I know. Uh, I, I believe that the Lord is doing great things inside of people right now, but there's a group that is getting kicked out. And, um, and I want to show you how to get back in. Amen. And the topic of the day is called, be not afraid, be not afraid, be not afraid, be not afraid. You don't have to be afraid. And uh, raise your hand if you want to go to heaven someday. All right. And uh, when you get to heaven, it's going to be amazing. I'll probably talk about that in a minute, but everybody's going to die. Even if you're like my wife, all she eats is kale and stuff like that. And I told her, I said, babe, you're still going to die, but you're going to die with a nasty taste in your mouth. But I'm Cajun. I'm going with Reese's peanut butter cups and crawfish. I like your communion because it reminds me of opening up crawfish. It took a while. Uh, but but I, I just, I just want to say that, that Easter is coming. You, you can come to this church. I know what kind of church it is already because um, it's just, it's not the kind of church where if you're blowing it, they're going to send you emails to rebuke you. They're not going to call you in. Like if you get a call from one of the pastors, don't freak out like, oh no, no, this is a good call because they're trying to build relationships, but they can't do it with everyone. It's going to take, it's going to take your move too. It's your move too. Can I have an amen? amen. All right. So when I first moved to Arkansas, uh, we've now seen a lot of people come to Christ, and I could get into those things, and it would be fun to talk about. 
Uh, but when, we, when I first got to Arkansas, no one was winning anyone to Christ. And so I couldn't figure out how to get them to bring their friends. Like, we can't bring your friends to church. You can. But this is a great place for people to hear the word. I want you to think right now about somebody who's hurting, someone who just got a bad report somewhere, someone who went through a bad breakup, uh, someone who got injured, maybe in the sports world. Uh, think about someone who um, they had a big dream and it just was taken from them. Somebody who just doesn't have what they used to have, like they've been hit by depression. Uh, think about somebody that every time you're around them, you were stronger, but lately when you're around them, something's just not right. Uh, this could be you. You will never understand the vision of this church until you bring someone here who is broken down and they meet Christ right here in this place. And, uh, and that's when a light bulb moment happens. So when I first moved to Arkansas, I noticed that uh, no one was wanting anyone to Christ. It was driving me nuts. We finally figured it out. Uh, but my daughter, uh, I gave them this, this illustration once, and it, it, it helped. My daughter, I've raised, I've raised four kids, and if you raise enough kids, you will have a strong-willed child. And uh, if you have enough kids, you'll have one like Jesus and one like Satan. And uh, so I had one like Satan and Jesus. And, uh, but I won't tell you which one was like Satan, because when I do, it, it bothers Haley so much. And so Haley now is doing way better. Uh, She's actually sweet as can be, but raising her, whew, when she was 11 years old, she, went, she wanted braces, so she made an appointment with an orthodontist. And we went there, and he said, you can't, you still have a baby tooth needs to come out. She goes, no, sir, I want them now. He goes, you're going to have to wait. She went in the bathroom and knocked that tooth out of her mouth with blood in her hand, brought it to him and said, it's out. Give me my braces. So I don't know if that's a demon or motivation. So anyway, when she was four years old, though, if you rewind, this started early in life. When she was four years old, she saw a Hallmark movie, and it was a teenager who ran away from home. She was watching it with her mom. There's two kinds of movies. You have good movies, and you have Hallmark movies. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyway, this, this movie, like, they, they noticed, uh, she noticed that a kid ran away from home, and it looked like an adventure to her. So she thought, I want to run away from home, but I don't want to go alone. I'm bringing my two-year-old brother with me. Uh, and so I have to do it at night when my parents are sleeping because they're always paying attention on where we are. Uh, so she, her will woke her up in the middle of the night. A four-year-old doesn't have an alarm clock. They don't have a phone. So it was just like, it's time. <laughs> and she went in there and got the two-year-old. And uh, uh, he said, I'm too sleepy. She called him a loser and left him there. Went and got the red wagon. We're sleeping. Left our cul-de-sac. Went to the end of the road. Took a right. Another right. I left to a four-lane highway. Four-lane highway in her in her ninety. I mean, think about this. I don't care what campus you go to. This is a big deal, right? But we're asleep. We didn't know. We, I was out. And uh, so, about a mile down the road, a lady pulled over and said, "Hey, what are you doing?" She goes, "I'm running away from home. This is so much fun." And she said, is everything okay at home? She goes, yes, ma'am. I'm just on an adventure. She said, get in the car. I'm going to take you home. Ma'am, I'm not allowed to ride in a car with strangers. <laughs> <laughs> but you can walk in a nightgown in the middle of the night. Your family is whacked. That's what it is. Okay, so eventually my daughter turned around. That lady followed her all the way back to the house. A knock on the door in the middle of the night. So, Michelle, did you hear that? No. 
heard it again. She yelled, somebody's at the door. Go see who it is. <laughs> that didn't happen. So I went down and I said, who is it? And I heard a lady's voice who I'd never heard. She goes, I'm so-and-so and I have your daughter. And I said, you don't have my daughter. My daughter's asleep. Who is this? I'm so-and-so, I have your daughter. Look, I already cleared that up. I said, it really cleared the first time. My daughter's sleeping. Who is this? And then I heard my daughter say, Dad, it's me, Haley. Open the door. <laughs> so she opened the door and saw the lady and was thankful. We thanked her and gave her gifts and my cars and stuff like that. <laughs> so it's over, okay? But what if Haley wouldn't have returned home? Come on, think about it. I would still be living in that cul-de-sac. I would still have a landline. I would, every time the phone would ring, I would jump over to it. I would say, Haley. Uh, every day I would be looking for her. And, and here's, this is the church, okay? This is this church. I would pick my friends based on who was helping me find my lost girl. Okay? There's never a time where it's easier to bring people to church than at Easter. Aaron just told you that, 80% of the people. Uh, he was telling you, born at Institute, different studies. And, uh, and so I want you to just be thinking about people who are hurting. Can I have an amen? Amen. But you're probably not going to do it if you're afraid. So, so I want to talk to you about fear because it's one of the most recurring and perpetual topics in the Bible. My professor used to say in college, he said, if I say it a lot in the class, it's probably going to be on the test. Yeah. So I think the reason why the Lord says it a lot is because he knew we were going to deal with it, okay? So, and some of you are just running on empty. Fear has knocked you out. Uh, How many of you in this room, quick survey, how many of you in this room, when you drive your car, you're so organized, like, like Aaron, and that when you get to about a half a tank, you just feel compelled to get gas. It's just the way you're wired, okay? We don't like you guys, but we know you have it together. How many of you are just more normal, B-flat, average? And like quarter of a tank probably is where you get it. But how many of you, you wait until, wait, don't put your hands up yet. You wait until the light comes on. No, don't put your hand. You don't even get gas that fast. Okay? The light comes on, but you know how many miles past that. Don't put your hands up yet. And then a few more miles past that. I've seen some of you on the side of the road. (laughs) Have you ever felt dumber than in that moment? I could talk about that a lot. I have a lot of fun things to say about that. But let me just point out one thing. It seems like in that moment that everybody is going faster than ever before. Like you want to yell at them, slow down! Because the wind is messing with you. (laughs) Some of you are on the side of the road, and I think it's related to this, this topic. Like you've lost your cutting edge and you're afraid. You don't know how to get it back. And we're going to break those chains off of you in Jesus' name today. Okay? Look at this verse. Look at this verse. Psalms 34.4. I prayed to the Lord and he freed me from all. Everybody say all. all. And that's what it means. In the Hebrew, literally means all. All my fears. So what is the one that you're dealing with? Look, I know where mine comes from. Uh, in the first service, we were going into worship, and, and I just love this church. I knew I was going to like it before I got here. I've been hearing about it, but I just thought, man, if I would have grew up in this church, I wouldn't be so jacked up all the time. 
Because the church I grew up in was very judgmental. It was like mean-spirited, like it was a prerequisite. Like in order to get in there, you had to show your judgmental card to get in. The meanest person in the whole church was my Sunday school teacher. When, she was, when I was eight years old, she was so mean. Interesting enough, her name is Miss Hodges. But she, she, she would, her, finger, her finger was 30 foot long. And I know, because I think the size of the class was about that, I would always sit against the back wall. For some reason, she could touch me from the front of the class, 30 foot. And she would say, hell is hot. Every Sunday, you need to know hell is hot. She talked about hell like she was born and raised in hell. I wanted to ask her, does the devil wear Prada? Everybody wants to know. I don't know where they came from. So one day she said, don't you want to go to heaven? I said, not if you're going to be there, nay. <laughs> All right. Kind of funny, right? Funny then, uh, funny now, not then. Then I really never thought the Lord wanted me around. Gosh, it's a very important thing for you to understand. In fact, I still deal with it sometimes. If you send last Thursday... Uh, condemnation is going to always show up. It's from the enemy, and it just shows up. So it shows up. It doesn't talk about Easter, and it just shows up to leave you there to, to rot. Let's say you lied to someone Thursday at three. The enemy will show up and say, "See how you are? You're not right with God. See how you lie. You see how?" Now, and then it came back up again during worship. Jesus, good. He won't. He won't. I just know he won't. And then you remember that he won't. But I will defeat. Holy Spirit is different. Holy Spirit is the comforter. He's the guide. He's the, you can't get to the Father without the Holy Spirit convicting you. But most people don't know the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is from the enemy. Conviction is the same scene. See how you lied? I'm going to make you one of the people who tells the truth faster than anybody. But we've got to repent and go to the Father right now. You're never going to enjoy your relationship with God until you know how much he loves you, how much he wants you to around. My Sunday school teacher was right. Hell is hot. That'll never motivate people to run to Christ. What motivates people to run to Christ is how good. The woman who was caught in adultery, who was this close to Jesus, and he looked at her and he said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Do you think she went back into a lifestyle of adultery? No way. Because nothing can compete with being close to the Lord with his eyes looking at you and telling you that he loves you. So I want to talk to you about fear because so many people in the Bible, uh, they, they would get into fear and run the opposite way. And uh, Moses was afraid to speak, but God wanted to use him. God wants to use you, but you probably don't believe it. If you're loaded with fear, Moses was a stutterer and he killed an Egyptian with a knife. He got the Ten Commandments, but he brought it down. One of them said, thou shalt not murder. He was a murderer. He killed an Egyptian with a knife. It would have been me. And I said, here are the Nine Commandments. I know I would have edited that stuff. What about Jacob? He, he deceived everybody. And finally, he's with the Lord and he somehow... He just let go of that fear. And the Lord said, tell me something real about you. And he said, all right. I'm a deceiver. I've always been. And God said, yeah. Let's go. 
and he never walked the same. God told Abraham something big. He said, you're going to have a lot of kids, and he, he bailed out on that plan because Abraham just didn't believe it was going to work. And so he, you know, at some point, the Lord showed up and go to Babies or Us. It's, he's 100 years old. God said, go to Babies or Us. You and your wife. She was 100. It's time. That's nasty. 100 years old. Think about it. <laughs> so I don't know where you are. Where am I? Oh, yeah. Scripture. So Bible, teaching, Radiant Church. Listen, no matter... People in this room, people at another campus online, what are you attempting to do right now that if God doesn't do it with you, you certainly couldn't do it at all? Because what happens is we kick out our faith and we start being led by our feelings. Someone said that a person is led by their feelings is like someone on a sailboat wherever the wind is blowing, that's where you're going. But a person is led by faith is like one on a steamboat, wherever the captain is aiming, that's where we're going. Okay, so the Boogaloo. Boogaloo is interesting, and I know you guys hear the word here. It's what I like the most about you, Aaron, although there's a list, man. You and Katie, I mean, gosh, you're just not in as good a shape as my, my preference. Uh, but he's just such a, look at him, he doesn't have any fat. I don't like that. Have you ever had a steak? <laughs> but anyway, I, I just, I love how he teaches the word and uh, it's, it's mesmerizing. It's a gift from the Lord. Uh, so you love the word, but I want, I want to teach you something that you haven't thought of maybe uh, here yet. And the book of Luke is, is written by a guy who was not a disciple. He was a doctor. Um, a lot of people believe that um, he was uh, a doctor for Paul. We were first called Christians in Antioch, and a lot of people believe that's where he, he got in on the mix. Luke, the book of Luke, like you might think, he's one of the disciples. He never saw one miracle that Jesus ever did, as far as we know. And uh, Paul wrote most of the New Testament in terms of book, but Luke wrote the most words. It's fair to say Luke wrote most of the New Testament. If you add the words of the book of Luke and the book of Acts, he wrote both of those. And he wrote them to a friend named Theophilus who he was trying to get to Easter. And so here's the thing. He just kept going around like he found the people. He found Mary who was still alive. He goes, come on, I want to know the truth. Did a doctor tell you you were pregnant? She goes, no, it was the Theophany. It was an angel. And he's like writing this down. He found the 5,000 that were fed. Come on, how did you get fed? You were in the middle of nowhere. How did you get the food? Come on, Jesus catered it, right? No, it was just one little kid with a Lunchable. And we touched it, and it was amazing. You should have been there. And he's writing this down. But then he gets to this part on fear. Are y'all tracking with me so far? Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you're going to eat or about your body. And what you're going to wear. Now these fears that are mentioned here may not relate to you. But you have a fear. So put this in here. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or born. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. By the way a raven is just a rat with wings flying around. <laughs> Who of you about worrying can add a single hour to your life. Since you cannot do this very little thing. Why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I'll tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor, richest man that ever lived, ever, 
was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you're going to eat or drink. Do, do not worry about these things. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father, everybody say father. Father. He knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father. Say father. Father. Has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Okay. I'm going to talk about this. And we're going to hit this. I'm going to stretch your faith. Freak you out a little bit. But we're going to grow in Jesus' name, all right? The Father, he loves his kids. And my Sunday school teacher was wrong. He loves it when we're close by. My family's loud, but I have one kid named Grace. She's a whisperer. And so we're loud, 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 loud. And you will hear, it's like a mosquito got in the room. It's like, what's up? Oh, it's Grace. So we had to get close to her. Grace, are you okay? I was just trying to tell you I love you. Okay, we love you too. And then we're loud again. Okay? It used to bug me. That it's so hard for me to hear the voice of God. It always has been. I've been in my backyard yelling at the Lord like, Lord, could you crank it up some more decibels? You would save me so much time. I love you. But now I know he speaks in a small, still voice. And it wasn't in the earthquake or the fire or the wind, his voice, or in the thunder. It was, it was in the whisper. Why? Because he loves you to be in close proximity to hear him, and that's why he whispers. All right, you're with me? So when you raise your kids, if you love them, you don't raise them like this. Hey, come over here. You're five years old today. I've turned on the stove, and it's really hot. And so I'm going to show you what fire can do to a human, and uh, I want you to touch it. See how? See how you're crying? Stop crying. Get back up. Stop crying. Don't ever do that again, ever. Fire is bad for you, okay? Now take that same finger that you're holding, lick it. I want to show you what electricity can do. <laughs> Come on over here. Stick it now a little deeper, a little deeper. That should do it. See how it zapped you? Okay, that's enough for today. Tomorrow I will teach you about traffic. You can go to bed now. <laughs> you don't do that because you love them. You want them to know ahead of time. Way before you got here today, the Lord is trying to help you with this fear. So when you're raising kids, you'll give them a tip of the day. Close the door. Don't forget your lunch. Bring your shoes home. Because they leave them all over the place. Don't run through the living room and stop slapping your brother. Okay? But there are other times where you bring them in close to you. Like this four or five-year-old and you get them close. You don't try to hurt them, but you just want them. They will not look at you. If you haven't raised kids yet, you don't get this. But one day, you're going to do this. You're going to, come here. Look at me. And then, I said, look at me. That's not me. Me. And then they'll look. Do you want me to do to you what I did to your older brother? I don't have an older brother. See, you want me to do that? Okay, that kind of thing, right? All right. This is the kind of thing, right? So finally they look at you and you tell them what could change their life. If you would, just picture this for a minute. The Lord is trying to grab you by the face. Look at me. This fear is killing you. Look at me. Why? Because number one, worry places huge limits on your life. 
Who of you about worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So weird to me, blind Bartimaeus. Uh, Jesus goes up to blind Bartimaeus. It's the strangest verse. Because he goes up to blind Bartimaeus. What's his name? Blind Bartimaeus. Yeah, well, no, his name is Bartimaeus. And then what was, what was he having trouble with? He was blind, yeah. So blind Bartimaeus. Jesus goes up to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? Everybody had to be thinking, he's blind. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is tired. Give him something to eat. Jesus is so tired. No, he's not tired. Okay. Well, then why did he ask? I'm going to tell you. Because he loves to hear what you're dreaming about, and he calls it faith. Some of you, you used to carry a dream. It was easier to be around you. It's easier to have a friend like that, easier to be married like that. It's easier to hire someone who has a dream. It's hard to work for someone who doesn't have a dream. Joseph was a dreamer, and from a long ways off, the brothers elbowed. They go, look, the dreamer's coming. What are you dreaming about? So, so uh, if you want to go to heaven, raise your hand if you want to go to heaven someday, okay? When you get to heaven, you really want to vote on these things, right? <laughs> okay. But when you get to heaven, I don't know if you ever thought about this. When you see how huge the enormity of God, think about this. No matter what campus you have, think about, you see how big he is. Gosh, when you see the fire the Bible describes, John had an open vision. When he talks about the fire in his eyes and he's looking over at you, like the, the fire is compassion, like his eyes you're going to be three, three surprised when you get to heaven. Surprised who's there. Surprised who's not there. Surprised you're there. It's like, he likes me. Yes. But there's a weird verse that says that he's going to wipe away every tear. Okay? That sounds so cool, right? But let's zoom in just a little bit. I'm a Cajun from Louisiana. It takes me two hours to watch 60 Minutes. And uh, so best three years of my life was the second grade. So I'm a little simple, but it helps you with the word. What are we going to cry about in heaven? What tear is going to be there to wipe? So I've studied it. I don't know. So let me just come up with something. Maybe when you see how big he is, maybe you will look back down to now. Maybe this is where the tear will come from. You'll look back to now and go, why was I so afraid? If I would have known he was this big, I would have never hesitated. If I would have known, like, I just didn't know. Do you know how many, some of you, you, God has given you an idea for a business, but you won't try because of fear. Do you know how many young people choose a major in college that they hate? Because the one they're called to do, they're too, too afraid to try you know, I mean, job interviews you could have. If you want to go to a job interview and you're a person of integrity, then walk into the job interview. And you tell, I told our young people that you walk right in that job interview and you say, listen, you might interview people with a better resume, but I'll never lie to you. I'll tell the truth. I work harder than anyone you've ever seen. My attitude is going to be spotless. You're going to be thankful for the rest of your life that you hired me. You won't do that with fear. Do, do you know how many people you used to walk with in faith who used to come to this church with you? 
And they, they would study the word with you. Something cut in on you. Paul said, what cut in on you and kept you from running this race? Like, so you lost them. And a phone call could restore it. Like right at Easter. But you won't make the call because what if you fail? So what are you so afraid of? Jesus one time told the disciples to get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. They forgot about that part. We're going to the other side. They got in the boat. The storm hit. And they started freaking out. They knew a lot about storms. Oftentimes, where we're most afraid is where we're most anointed. And here he is. He's getting, they're getting hit. And they look over. Jesus is sleeping. One of them shook Jesus and said, Jesus, we're going to drown. But this next part, if you live around fear long enough, this is where you're going to be. Jesus don't you care? We're going to die. Don't you care? The goal of fear is to always put you in a place to where you think that Jesus doesn't care anymore. Wow. And some of you say, man, I got 20 years experience around the Lord. No, you, you have one year repeated 20 times. Right. Number two, seeking God's kingdom first gives us an unintimidating view unintimidating view there's just something special about people that don't live by fear my grandmother I told you I was a Cajun and I didn't tell the first service this but if you could ever talk to her she would lead more people to the Lord by accident than a lot of people can deliberately full of joy not afraid of anything and when you would talk to her she'd answer the phone Jesus loves you I know that for sure She'd go to the grocery store to get groceries, come out with it. No groceries, but it led three or four people to Christ. So when we went to start our church, February the 4th, 2001, I just wanted my mama to be at our first service because I was worried. Like, you need to know who the intercessors are in this church. After church, go to people who pray. So I called her. I said, Mama, I know because she was dying with cancer. And I said, Mama, she was down in like 90 pounds then. I said, Mama, I know you're sick, but could you please come? Six-hour drive. I was going to have somebody pick her up. And come to our first service. If you could just pray for me right before the first service, I think I can do it. And she said, oh, Rick, I want to come, but I, I, I'm so sick. I haven't left my house in two months. I, I just can't do it. I didn't want her to feel bad, so I interrupted. It's okay, Mama. You can pray from there. Oh, Rick, I'll pray for you. I'll tell you that. She even prayed then. A few months later, first service, February 4th, 10 o'clock in the morning, there was a knock on the door. I heard it. I said, come in. And it was my frail, now 80-pound grandmother. She said, oh, I just had to come. And she put her arms around me and prayed over me. And I felt the Spirit of God. Then I thought about the price she paid to get to me what about Easter what about Christmas the price the price inside of all of us we have the world and we have the way of Christ I'm telling you a lot of people a lot of you are choosing the world because you're afraid you're going to miss out if you choose Christ but the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all the things will be added unto you over here. And then the last thing is fear cannot coexist when God is seen as a loving father, loving father, loving father. 
prodigal son story. A lot of you know it, some not, maybe not, but basically this brother had it all. He was with the father. The second he asked for his own stuff, he had less in that moment than he ever had before because before he had access to everything the father had, but he got his stuff and he made a lot of bad decisions. A lot of you have made a lot of bad decisions. How many of you are sinners? Okay. If you don't think you're a sinner, if you think you're perfect, no one likes being around you. They don't want to... This year, it's no fun. Like, we love it when you leave our house. You know? <laughs> but we're all sinners. How many of you have ever lied before? Anybody? God bless you. Anybody ever steal anything? Church ink pen? Okay. We're all sinners. All right. Listen. Let me give you something that will help you. Here's a, here's a frame of reference. You can see it in the story of the prodigal son. I'll give you one about my son. When he was five years old, a lady asked for him to be in her wedding, and, but not to be the ring bearer. It was different than that. It was just like to carry in my Bible, stand by me, and hand me my Bible. So we went to rehearsal, and he aced it. I was so proud of him. I was like, son, you made for this. Thank you, Dad. No problem. <laughs> but the next day, he was just acting weird. And all that, I couldn't figure out. Fear will make you so weird. You ever had anybody say, man, something changed inside of you? Yeah. It might be fear. So my son, who always laughs at everything, like one time I took him fishing when he was about three, and I wanted to catch a fish so bad, he, we didn't catch any. So he gave up and started throwing rocks. He was still happy. So I caught one when he wasn't looking, and I took it off my hook, put it on his hook, and let it out. And he's like, son, I think you'll catch one now. Sure, Dad. Threw one more rock, came over. Dad, it's different. It's so excited. <laughs> catch the fish. The next day I said, Hunter, what did we do yesterday? He said, we went fishing. I said, well, did we catch anything? He said, well, you did, and you took it off the hook, put it on my <laughs> I said, you knew that the whole time? He said, yeah, Dad, I was just happy because I was with you. Amen. Hear the ladies that every time. <laughs> so now this son who's happy, no happiness, he's like acting weird on this day. And I couldn't figure it out. So I said, son, are you okay? No, dad, I'm going to mess up the wedding. I don't know how to do this. I don't, I don't remember how fast to walk. I don't remember nothing. And I said, son, I got you. Here's the good news, buddy. I said, when they open those doors back there, uh, I'm going to already be in. I'm going to be up front. So you just keep your eyes on me, and you carry the Bible. That's it. Keep your eyes on me, care about. Okay, Dad, I'm gonna keep my eyes on you. And what's the other one? <laughs> so you carry the Bible. Oh no, I'm gonna do that, Dad. I'm gonna carry that Bible. What's the other one? <laughs> so you gotta keep your eyes on me. Uh, I'm gonna keep my eyes on you. But what's the other one? <laughs> carry the Bible, son. Okay, I'll carry the Bible. What's the other one? All day. What's the other one? So one more time, right before we go down, what's the other one? I said, oh, this is not going to go good. <laughs> so I'm up front, and I'm nervous. I don't know if my son is still on the property. <laughs> and so they open the door, and I'll never forget as long as I live, my son just doing two things. He was staring at me like this. <laughs> I 
And I looked down at his hand. He was holding the bubble so tight that he was rigid, you know, and he's staring. So I told him to start walking. He's walking and he's staring. Walking. He's just not having fun, right? And then I gave him a, a sign like, like, I'm proud of you. And he got a little bit of swag and confident. And when he got up to the front in front of everybody, he says, What's up? <laughs> Hand me the Bible. The attention went from the bride to my son. <laughs> Which is not good because women have weddings and men get married. <laughs> so afterwards, I told him I was proud of him. And then after that, I said, son, uh, I prayed with him. Then after that, the Lord said, uh, that was a good advice for your son. But it's also good advice for you. When you're afraid of a door that is closed and you're afraid of a door that's open, you just do two things. You keep your eyes on the Father and you carry the Word. You don't know what I've been through. What's the other one? You just keep your eyes on the Father. But what's the other one? You carry the Word. But what's the other one? Keep your eyes on the Father because He is worthy of our praise. Let's praise Him together. Come on. Let's bow our heads. Let's just get gut level honest. Some of you, you have ran with the Lord, but you lost your edge somewhere. In fact, you may love Him more than ever, but you're not walking with Him. And you want to settle that. If that's you all around this room, just raise up your hand until I see it. Come on. I want to, I love him, but I'm not walking with him right now. Just raise your hands. Come on. Until I see it. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Keep them up. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Man, wow. That's what I like about this church. People are open. I want to ask everybody to say this prayer. Say, Lord God, I'm a sinner. I'm good at sinning. I'm also good at forgetting you. But I remember now, and I ask you to forgive me. I thank you for the old rugged cross. And I thank you for the resurrection and for your life and your grace and your mercy and this church and other churches. I commit my life to you. I repent and turn towards you. In Jesus' name. Now, everybody, just right there where you are, I'm going to pray for fear. Open up your hands before God. Lord, you said that if we cast our fears and cares upon you, that you would set us free. Cast, meaning go to the altar and just drop it and never pick it up again. We break the spirit of fear of everyone here, whether it's a word they got, something said to them, something that just took the oxygen out of them. Give them life, oh God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, it's for a reason to be involved in this church, to, to, to grow this city for your name. Tampa needs you. And I thank you, Lord God, for Radiant Church. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, thanks a lot. Baby.